powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Here we go now. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, he's the host of This Just In, weekdays on ESPN, as well as Keyshawn J. Will and Max Mornings on ESPN Radio. Max Kellerman. Max, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Fantastic. I mean, um, I'm actually really, really glad we have you today because we were just going to talk to you about the Super Bowl, and now we have two major head coaching hires, and I'm going to go ahead and start with the one that we're talking about plenty here in Seattle. You can already guess. It's Sean Payton to the Denver Broncos. you think he can save this franchise? <laughs> yeah, I think he will. I think they'll be better than they were. And, and the, question, the big question is, are they throwing bad money after good here? Right. Uh, or sorry, good money after bad, I should say. Um, it, like they sunk the money in Russell Wilson. They didn't want to look at it as a sunk cost. They thought, no, we, we're going to fix this. And, uh, and, and so now they're throwing good money after bad. But there is that chance, and I think it's a good one, that he can turn it around because he'll hold Russell Wilson accountable just like everyone else on the team because he has a track record. And, uh, and, and, and both these guys, Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, have been consistent winners for you know a decade and more now. So uh, I understand the move. If I were Denver, I would do the same thing. And, and I think it's telling that Sean Payton took the job. That actually says a lot about Russell Wilson because he looked at what he had in New Orleans and said, nope, not doing this, and walked away. But he, and he, as he surveys the landscape, he sees Russell Wilson and says, yep, I can fix that. So that, I think that, that bodes well. Max, I'm worried about Russell Wilson and how he will be, um, how he will receive the coaching from Sean Payton. But I'm going to go over to the Houston Texans. I saw D'Amico Ryan's interviewing for this job, Max, and I'm saying, don't do it. Don't do it, man. There's a bunch of stank over there. Uh, what are your thoughts on that hire? And do you think he can turn it around? He got a six year deal, but do you see it lasting six years? What's your thoughts with that? That's going to be on D'Amico Ryan's. Like, this is what I'll say. The ownership matters in the NFL. If it's toxic, and you know, it's toxic. But if you are a special coach, the most important thing in the NFL, even as important as the quarterback is nowadays, and Tom Brady has proven an interesting point you know, versus Bill Belichick, for example. I never would have guessed it was more Brady than Belichick. But, but at least there's a big piece of evidence that suggests it, it was. If you're a special coach, you can overcome ownership, and you can, and you can find your quarterback. Right. If you have if you have six years runway, and that really means what three or four, if, if you're right. no good. But you should, if you're the right coach, that's the most important thing. The Giants, my New York Football Giants, my beloved team, they looked like this organization may just be too toxic now. But they finally got the coach hire right. They got Dable, and all of a sudden, Daniel Jones looks different. Every there's a different feeling about the whole organization. So it's on D'Amico Ryan. If he is a really good coach and he's got a six-year deal, he will do something there. Uh, Max, I'm currently watching a video of Daniel Jones at the Lakers game the other night, signing a football, throwing it into the crowd. How excited are you for him to start for your, your uh, Giants next year? If he does, I'll tell you what. Return. I was not a believer in that. Yeah, I was not a believer in Daniel Jones, but he showed me something this year. And the number one thing he showed me, and he's tall, he's fast, he can spin it, he has a good arm, it's accurate, all those things. He, he's taking care of the football now, yes, but the main thing he showed me is 
in the biggest moments, he never tried to play hero ball. He didn't get Carson Wentz disease, right, which Dak seemed to have caught, right? He didn't do it. It was nothing like that. Through, in New York City, through all the media and all the negative stuff, and I was definitely a part of that on, on the national scene out of New York, he never responded. He never engaged in it. He never took the low road, always, you know, led with, you know, taking the high road. And the way he played hero ball was by not doing it. So he wasn't turning the ball over. He wasn't trying to do too much. You know, Bill Parcells, 10 quarterback commandments, throwing the ball away is a good play. Like, keep your team in the game. And then on third down, when you needed it most, in the high leverage moments, he would come through on the ground and in the air. So with decision-making, against the Eagles, they were totally overmatched. He actually didn't play poorly. No one was ever open, and they were on him all the time. Um, but So I'm very excited to see him play next year, especially if they get him a real alpha receiver, even if that's a tight end. Like, you've got to get someone to run the passing game through who can get open, right? And, and if you do that, we'll find out what his ceiling is. Danny Jones, he did surprise me this year, but I was surprised when I woke up this morning uh, Max, Tom Brady says he's done for good. A short little video, about a minute. And, uh, you know, a few years back, you weren't too high on Tom Brady. Obviously, uh, time heals all, and he went out and won a bunch of Super Bowls. But Mike Francesa said some things about Tom Brady that I thought were interesting. He goes, he's not the greatest regular season quarterback. He thinks Peyton Manning is. Then he goes, he's not the greatest Super Bowl quarterback. He thinks Joe Montana is. What are your thoughts there about Brady and his, uh, his whole career? He's right. He's right about both. Peyton Manning was a better regular season player than Tom Brady, but he wasn't nearly the playoff player that Tom Brady was. And Joe Montana was a better Super Bowl player than Tom Brady. But Tom Brady was almost as good, and he did it twice as long, right? Tom Brady is not the Michael Jordan of football. What the Michael Jordan of football means is you put your eyeballs on the guy and you go, uh-oh, I've never seen that before. My, 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 my brain tells, my gut tells me this is the best I've ever seen. Then you look down at the numbers and you go, oh, that verifies everything my eyeballs are seeing. And then you look at team success, you know, provided he's playing with another all-star at least, and you go, oh, oh yeah, he has more success than anyone whenever he has a chance. That's Michael Jordan. That's never been Tom Brady. You've never put your eyes on Tom Brady and said, that's the best I've ever seen. You haven't looked at the numbers and said, oh, my God, those are the greatest numbers ever. In any, but, but he is like Tank Aaron, right? Mm-hmm. He's just about as good as anyone ever, and he's done it for 20-something straight years. <laughs> so you look down and you're good like LeBron James, right? Like, oh, my God. Uh, but I agree with Francesca's assessment. I've been saying for you, Peyton Manning was a demonstrable. They played in the same era. No one ever thought Brady in the regular season was as good as Peyton Manning. No one ever thought it. But when, it, when the chips were on the line, he was better. And you can look in the record and see, oh, Joe Montana was flawless in the Super Bowl. But there were four Super Bowls compared to 10, right? So you add it all up, and Brady is the GOAT. You really, there's really no good argument against it. Speaking with ESPN's Max Kellerman right now. Uh, Max, a quick question for me here. Here in Seattle, we're going to be discussing all offseason what the Seahawks should do about Geno Smith, who's about to become an unrestricted free agent. What would you make of his season and Seattle season as a whole? He was excellent all year long. Keyshawn told me, look, it's going to be the same with Gino. I was like, are you crazy? I've seen Gino play for like a decade. He's not good. And, you know, like, come on. I know Pete Carroll's a really good coach, but it was the same thing. Looks like the same thing as Russell Wilson. More or less the same thing. A little less. Gino's not as good as Russell Wilson at his best. But uh, it, 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 Pete Carroll clearly can win with Gino Smith. Now, can you win the whole thing? 
that remains to be seen, right? You do feel like you're not at an advantage if you're playing another team that's also good and well-coached, but they have a spectacular quarterback. But like Daniel Jones, although Geno has better receiving targets, it's one thing to say, well, he's just in a good system, but it's another thing to say nobody's playing it well, right? Geno Smith played well, Mm -hmm. at least what I saw. You guys are paying closer attention to Geno and the the Seahawks than I am, but but I I thought Geno played well this year, and you can do a lot worse than Geno Smith over the next two or three years. Um, hey, actually, I'm going to uh, go ahead and branch off with another question there. Uh, Max, we did think Gino played well. Obviously, he was a pro bowler. The stats would reflect that. Um, and I think the fans throughout the season thought Gino played well. You heard Gino chants in the crowd. But once it came time to pay Gino around $30 million or $33 million, you started seeing, well, I don't know, did he fall apart? And now that's kind of the con- conversation happening locally here. What do you make of that kind of middle class of quarterbacks that, you know, if you're paying someone like Gino or even someone like Daniel Jones, let's say above the franchise tag, let's say it's 33 or so, um, does that kind of player keep you from winning the whole thing? Or is that uh, cap hit, that salary still low enough to do things? Well, in, I think it's two to separate examples. I'm higher on Daniel Jones than Geno because I thought they basically had the same year, but Daniel Jones didn't have anything to throw to. Mm. Daniel Jones is taller, faster, and and I think throws it a little better and, and also is much younger, right? However, um, the franchise tag, you got to pay all that in one season. So, like, you give a guy a three-year deal and guarantee two years of the money, you're spreading it out over three seasons. Right. So for cap hit purposes, if it's 33, you really go up to a little under 40 and you're saving money on the cap. And that's why you do it. So it seems to me it's a no brainer that Gino's at least two years guaranteed at 70 million over a three year contract. Right. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Right. Hey, Max, you um, you mentioned Tom Brady, and we get to see one of the, the next great, hopefully, in uh, Pat Mahomes in a couple weeks in the Super Bowl. I saw you going after the Twitter people out there in that Twitter world, and you said his first Twitter five people. years are the greatest first five years you've seen in a quarterback's career. Do you think, when it's all said and done, Pat Mahomes has a chance to be mentioned with Tom Brady? Yeah, I mean, but listen, first of all, it's inarguable. Like, I dare you to find anyone's first five years at quarterback and even compare it to Mahomes because he has similar level of team success to Brady, but Brady never was even first team all pro. Mahomes working on his second MVP, right? Like, and, and then you can look at guys like Dan Marino, like, oh my God, look at that year one. But look, look, look at the numbers. I know it's different eras. Mahomes got better numbers, but on top of that, much more team success, right? Like there's really no one to compare him to. Joe Montana, I guess, because when Montana took over, um, you know, also he wasn't a rookie when he took over, he, he hit the ground running, but that's the closest comparison. Um, so yeah, it, it, here's the thing that Brady has on him. He popped them twice, right? <laughs> Once in the, in the AFC where Brady throws the interception that ends the game. Mahomes is going to the super uh, pre-snap penalty. Brady gets the ball back. Mahomes never touches it again. And the, and the chiefs lose. Of course, they didn't change the rule for Mahomes. When that happened to Josh Allen against Mahomes, they changed the rule, right, uh, it for overtime. And then the next time he, he plays them, when Brady's in the NFC, he didn't have a chance. He had no offensive line. He was the most spectacular player in the game in kind of big, obvious ways, but he just didn't have a chance. So, but the fact is Brady did it when he was old and Mahomes was young. So for Mahomes to catch Brady, 
you figure he would have to win at least three more Super Bowls. And then you can start to say, look, he didn't have, you know, Belichick, as great as Reed is, Belichick and Brady is like the greatest combination ever. Um, and so, like, as long as he gets a handful of Super Bowls, his peak clearly higher than Brady's, right? Like, you know, he's just a, a more spectacular player. Um, and so, like, maybe he can start to construct an argument if he wins four Super Bowls, maybe five. There is a long way to go to catch Brady. But so far, through five years as a starter, first five years as a starter, no one's got really an argument against Mahomes. You can see him on ESPN, hear him on ESPN Radio. He is Max Kellerman. Max, thanks so much for taking the time, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Max. A lot of fun. Thanks, guys. All right, let's get to four down territory. This is four down territory going inside the game. What former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. First down, there's still more than a week to go before the Super Bowl, but the Chiefs are pretty banged up. How would yesterday's injury report affect the Chiefs offensive game plan if that holds? All right, we still got a long way to go. But you cannot ignore the injury report, especially at this time of the year, right? It's Super Bowl. Guys have gone 18, 19 weeks of football just out there risking their bodies. And you look at the injury report, you got Juju who's out with a knee, Tony out with an ankle. You got Hardman out with a pelvis injury. Then you have Snead out with a concussion. If these guys guys are to stay out offensively, then you got to rely on Sky Moore. He had 40 snaps in the AFC title game, the most he's had all year. Overall, 331 snaps. Can you depend on him? He's probably good for a big play, but he's still a rookie. Rookies made rookie mistakes. Now you're going to put this rookie out there in the Super Bowl. If you do not have these guys out there, you lose your underneath guy in Juju Smith-Schuster. You lose your jet sweep guy in Tony, and then you lose your stretch to fill guy in Harbin. I think they will be okay because you still have Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. over there, but it just changes the game a little bit. When you make it this far into the season, you make it to the Super Bowl, nobody is healthy. Can you make it through a full game? Changes a little bit, not too much. You lose some aspects of this thing, but I feel like Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes are such in a good place mentally and schematically that they will be fine. There was a rumor that Odell Beckham was being looked at to go into Kansas City. They say, no. Nah. Why would you bring in Odell Beckham right now during this time of the season? They say, we got good chemistry, not thinking about it, but Odell is still courting with uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. So, so what happens there? Can I spring a question on you? And I apologize because you literally are being asked this in real time. It's not on the show sheet, but I'm thinking about it. So um, Patrick Mahomes, all the wide receivers with the Chiefs are accounting for, I think, fewer than 15% of all targets because it's spread among everyone. Obviously, Kelsey is a tight end, but like the running backs are getting a ton. So they aren't actually a team whose wide receivers are dominating in their passing game. Um, I was wondering, though, every team knows this. Every team knows Travis Kelsey is going to get the ball. What do they do so well with Travis Kelsey that allows them to continue to take advantage of him because everyone ahead of every game knows that he's getting it? Travis Kelsey is at his best against zone. He does a great job of sitting down in the zone. Now, how do you get guys to move in a zone? You RPO, you jet sweep, you get a defense moving east and west. And him and Pat Mahomes are on the same page that when he sits down in a, in, a, in a spot, Pat Mahomes knows he's going to be there. Now, against man, against man is a bit different. I'm not saying Kelsey can't get open against man, but he makes his money in zone. So I think like uh, finding little seams, finding little spots, sit yeah. down in space, get big. I always see that question from people like, you know, use double coverage on Kelsey. And it's like, I think every team does it. It just, it doesn't hey. end up mattering. Doesn't work. All right. Second down. The 49ers said they would be in favor of a third quarterback rule. 
Do you feel this would be a good move for the postseason? And you know why they're in favor? Because they got down to their fourth quarterback <laughs> yeah. in the conference championship game. And then he gets knocked out. And you got to force your quarterback who's injured to go back out there. This is why I think it's a good move. Well, let me let me back up. All right. In 1991 to 2011, you were able to carry that guy. It was a 46-man roster. You can have a third quarterback. So now they're asking, okay, keep the 46, but let's add another guy, make it 47, and then make that 47 guy the quarterback. I think it's a good idea in the postseason because you want to make sure that if catastrophe happens, just like what happened against the Philly Philly Eagles, you have a chance to at least run a regular offense. Yeah, That doesn't guarantee that that third quarterback was going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. But once Johnson went out, it was a wrap. It was a wrap when Purdy went out, honestly. But once Johnson went out, you can't even run a regular offense. You have to run the football 100 times, and all you can do is throw screens. I just like a team having an opportunity to be consistent with their approach. Playoffs, yes. Regular season, no. If you go down two or three quarterbacks in the regular season, you can pull guys off the street. You can elevate guys off a practice squad. I think you leave that alone. But playoff football, I think, is necessary. I also think this would be one of those games It's like a what-if game forever. That happens with a lot of playoff games, right? Because sometimes it comes down to little moments. Uh, what if Sky Moore doesn't have that return? What if Asai doesn't have that penalty, as the examples in the AFC game? But it's really hard not to have a big what-if coming out of the NFC game, knowing that the 49ers literally couldn't have a forward pass. <laughs> no. You know, like it. So predictable. You had the most important part of your football team missing. Of course you can defend that team. I don't know, it's just crazy. Third down. What are the top three wide receiver duos in the NFL? All right, I'm going to give you five, and I'll tell you my three. All right, Miami has Tyreek Hill and Waddle. Cincinnati has Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Seattle has DK and Lockett. The Bills have Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. And the Philadelphia Eagles have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. This is tough right here. I'm going to eliminate the Bills right off top. Stephon Diggs is one of the best, if not the best receiver in the league with his numbers. But Gabe Davis doesn't do enough. Big play guy. will stretch the field. He's out. So now it comes down to these four. Miami, Cincinnati, Seattle, and Philly. And it's tough, man. I'm looking at Philly's numbers. Then I'm looking at Seattle. That's where the battle is between these two. But I'm going to go with Philadelphia Eagles at three. Seattle gets bumped out. Yeah. Uh, simply because they have a... Not better numbers, 11 touchdowns. They have seven. One has 1,400 yards. One has 1,100 yards. And they're still playing football because of the play of their defense and their quarterback team sport. But I look at A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and say, man, those guys are explosive. Seattle's nipping at their heels, though. They're right there. I go number two with Cincinnati. And then number one has to be Tariq Hill and yeah. Waddle, man. 1,700 yards for Hill, 1,300 for Waddle, nine touchdowns for Waddle, seven touchdowns for Tyreek Hill. There's just no stopping these two. They did this with Tua. Tua's not even a throw-the-football-down-the-field type of dude, but they got it done. Imagine if they had a guy, say, Aaron Rodgers over there who can throw that football down the field. Imagine the possibilities. Great receivers all across the league, and that's not even mentioning Justin Jefferson, right? He stands alone. That's not mentioning C.D. Lamb. Uh, That's not mentioning Mike Evans. I'm talking duos. So much talent in this league, but those are my top duos. Imagine being Aaron Rodgers in that situation, too. It's not just Miami fans that are like, finally, someone who can throw it. Aaron Rodgers, after losing Devontae Adams and not really having any targets he seems to love all that much, going to Miami and being like, oh, you're telling me I got two guys who are uncoverable? Right. Like, this is going to be amazing. Fourth down. Which Pro Bowl event are you most looking forward to? Well, there's a lot going on. The longest drive competition. If you know me, you know that's number one off top. But I'm eliminating that because if you listen to the show enough, you know the love I have for the beautiful game of golf. Well, here are the events. They got a lightning round. 
where there's a splash catch, you're catching balloons. High stakes, you're catching punts. And thrill of spill, you're trying to hit a bucket over your, your teammate's head. Sounds like a family reunion to me. Games that you play. Then you got the precision pass. You got Trevor Lawrence. You got Huntley, Carr, Cousins, Geno Smith, and Jared Goff. You know who I'm rooting for there. My guy, Geno. Then you have best catch, gridiron gauntlet, move the change, chains, and flag football. So I'm going to go with precision precision passing because yeah. I just want to see Gino do his thing. I want him to uh, ball out in the face of all the haters. Gino's not this. Gino's not that. You know what he is? The most accurate passer in the NFL That's in right. 2022. So I just want to see him shine. And even if he doesn't win, go out there and have a good performance in this. Let the people know that Gino's a good quarterback. All right, let's get to what's on tap. This is What's on Tap with Bump and Stacy, brought to you by Dick's Driving. So, folks, what's on tap? Washington men's hoops taking on number nine UCLA tonight at six. Meanwhile, for the Cougs, they're taking on USC that game at 8 p.m. That's What's on Tap. Coming up next, we're heading to the station for Hype Train. I got a lot of NFL ones in here, including what I believe is going to be an unbreakable record. That's next. Live from the Alaska Airlines Studio, this is Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to Bump and Stacy, powered by Kitsap Credit Union. All right, get your questions in for what I need to know coming your way in 15 minutes. 866-979-3776. Any questions, send it now. 866-979-3776. Right now, though, we are heading to the station for Hype Train. Let's go. All right, first train into the station. It is a, the Pro Bowl this weekend. You still got a week until the Super Bowl, but we're going to see players that we know here in Seattle competing in a ton of these events. You've got Tariq Woolen, who's going to be on the NFC defense for dodgeball. Um, you've got Jason Myers, who's going to be in kicking tic-tac-toe, which is kind of fun. I really appreciate that one. And <laughs> you appreciate you, it? Yeah. And you've got <laughs> Geno Smith, who is going to be in precision passing. That's our subject here. Geno Smith had a phenomenal year as a starter. No, he didn't, like, break every NFL record. However, he did set some uh, new Seahawks records for passing yards, completions, completion percentage, and attempts. And he did this after being a backup for seven years. He already won the Pro Football Writers of America Comeback Player of the Year Award. Will he win the AP one? That's what this hype train is. Geno Smith wins comeback player of the year this weekend during NFL honors. It's between him and Saquon Barkley. You look at Barkley and what he did. Beautiful rookie season. Injuries after injury after injury. Then he came back, helped lead his team to the playoffs and actually won a playoff game. Geno Smith sat on the bench for about seven years behind future Hall of Famers. Came back Pro Bowl. So this is tough. I want to say Geno Smith, but I think it's going to go to Saquon Barkley um, because he came back from an injury, and I think that the AP is going to use that against him. I think Geno's comeback is just as impressive, but because of I because I, I think I know how this thing works, I'm going Saquon. I'm not on that train. The hype train is that Geno Smith wins comeback player of the year this weekend. He already won the Pro Football Writers of America version of the award. That is not the Associated Press version. The Associated Press is the one that they give out uh, during NFL honors. Bump says he sees it being Saquon. Curtis, is it going to be Geno? Are you boarding this train? I'm boarding the train. We're boarding. Geno Smith is going to cap it off. He already won the Pro Football Writers uh, association one. I think the AP one's going to go his way too. Yeah, there were some people chirping at Gino, like, oh, what did he actually come back from? It's like, 
Man, this guy was on the verge of being out of the league so many times over the course of his career. Uh, that's coming back from the brink, right? That's coming back from being at the very end of the roster to a Pro Bowl season to a guy that helped elevate others around him this year when no one expected him to. We were hearing people across the NFL say, oh, this is the most embarrassing quarterback battle of any team mm-hmm. that, that's going on right now in the NFL. Drew Locke versus Geno Smith. Give me a break with that. Well, it turns out Geno Smith had had a lot to prove this season, and he proved it, that he is worthy of that payday that's awaiting him over the next couple of months. Uh, I think he is the comeback player of the year. Uh, and give him, his, give him his flowers. Give him his award. It's his. He's earned it. I assumed uh, that it was going to be Saquon Barkley, given that the Comeback Player of the Year award is typically reserved for players who are coming back from injury. Once I saw the PFWA award, Gino, I thought, okay, the the gates have been opened. This is something that I think could could happen now, and now I'm set on it. I'm looking at it as like an Academy Awards and Oscars, where if you win one, you're likely to win the other, kind of like how uh, Sauce Gardner uh, got Defensive uh, Rookie of the Year, um, or Patrick Mahomes is going to get MVP, like you kind of see it coming. I think that's the case with Gino. I'm boarding this train. All right. Hope you all right. Yeah, well, we'll see. Next train into the station. 749 complete games. That's what Cy Young did. How about 120 intentional walks in one season for Barry Bonds? Seven consecutive Tour de France victories for Lance Armstrong. Uh, he was cheating. You got over <laughs> twenty. You got over twenty-two thousand receiving yards for Jerry Rice. Eleven championships for Bill Russell. Over twenty-eight hundred points for Wayne Gretzky. Fifty-six game hitting streak. You guys know all of these already, right? These are unbreakable records either because of the way the game has changed, um, because of the length of seasons, uh, because of the era in which that player played. These are records that are never going to be broken. They aren't going to be touched. Here's the hype train. Tell me if you're boarding. Brady's Super Bowl wins record of seven is an unbreakable record. Don't forget Phil Jackson's 11 championships, one as a coach. Yeah. And um, this is why it's not going to be broken. No one's going to play 22 years. They're just not. I think that... There's so much money that guys can make on the football field and off the football field. I think that football players are so much more business savvy these days. And there's so much information on the body and the brain mm-hmm. and the effects of football. I think they're going to say, look, man, I put in my, I get my three contracts. You get three contracts in the league, you balling. Yeah. I think you get to three contracts and they're like, you know what? I'm good to go. The only way this is broken is if Pat Mahomes wins a Super Bowl, two Super Bowls in the next three years, then we can revisit this. But right now, I don't think it's going down. Tom Brady just played too long. I don't see anybody wanting to play that long. All right. The high train is that Brady's Super Bowl wins record of seven is a new unbreakable record. Bump is boarding. Curtis, are you? Uh, it is a unbreakable record. Yeah, I'm, I'm boarding this train. This is uh, this is no one sniffing seven. Uh, you've got. The next highest is Charles Haley, who has five, who won uh, with two with the 49ers, three with the Cowboys. And then after that, you've got a few guys with four. Most of them are Pittsburgh Steelers of the 70s. Uh, There's also Joe Montana, a couple of guys uh, who won that with the 49ers. How about this, though? Also on that list of four is Rob Gronkowski, who has Tom Brady to thank for four of them. Tom (laughs) Rob Gronkowski's tied for third in most Super Bowl rings won, 
and every single one of those was one with Tom Brady as his quarterback. Yeah. Uh, it it is such an outlier in terms of Super Bowl rings won. We are never going to see anybody win eight. That's the thing. You got to win eight to beat yeah. seven. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to see even, that. We're Sorry. not even saying seven. You got to get to seven and then surpass yeah, it. It's not I, happening. I agree. I'm not boarding this train. This is an empty hype train. Nothing but a hype train going on by us. Um, or excuse me. No, we're all boarding it. We're all boarding it. Opposite is true. It is unbreakable. It's it's something that um, I think I agree with you, Bump. People aren't playing nearly as long as Brady is uh, is going to have to play. Uh, Curtis, you're right in that we've just have haven't seen anything like this. And I'll throw on that I think that we're just collective we like the football world is just really smart. Like, right, like it's just so hyper competitive and coaches get poached so quickly that like if you were to point to a quarterback or a team right now that has the best chance, you'd say Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, right? You'd be like, okay, well, I guess if I'm betting that there's going to be one quarterback that does it, I'm going to go with that. Guess how many teams every year enter the league saying, how are we going to stop this guy? What are we going to do? Like, it's just people are there's a giant target on your back. You're in a tough division. Like, it's just it's. It's never going to happen. Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Was it hard to take Gronk seriously in his half-time analysis for you guys as it was for me? Because yeah. usually it's party Gronk. I don't take him trying, seriously with He's anything. trying to spit some stats. I'm like, he's accurate, but I just don't believe it for some Once reason. Once someone has a brand, it's pretty, It's hard to see them outside of that. Yeah. That was rough for me. It's not really his brand. It's like who he is. No, not at all. Yeah, he's not playing a character. Yeah. No. <laughs> Bear down. Next type train. <laughs> All right, forget Aaron Rodgers. The Jets are going to have a new quarterback in 2023, but it's not the former Packers pass. Actually, current current Packers pass are very important. I say that. That trade has not happened. But no, the new quarterback for the Jets in 2023, sticking in New York, one Daniel Jones. Bump, are you boarding? I think Dayball is going to do... I think they're going to make a good pitch to keep Danny Dimes. I don't think they're going to break the bank. I'm hearing $40 million. I think that's a bit too much. But I also think that to run Dable's offense, you need a mobile quarterback. And I don't see any free agent mobile quarterbacks out there. Daniel Jones is the most mobile free agent quarterback out there. So I think he is going to remain with the New York Giants. I'm not on this train. He's not going to the Jets. All right. The hype train is forget Aaron Rodgers. Danny Dimes is playing for the Jets in 2023. Bump says, eh, I think he might even return to the Giants. What do you say, Curtis? Yeah, I don't see it. I think... The Giants would prefer to have Daniel Jones back just as a safety net if they do try to go out and get maybe a young quarterback in the draft. Uh, I don't see him playing for the Jets. I think the Jets are going to, if they're going to bring in a new quarterback, they're going to swing for the fences. They're going to go after the biggest names available. I don't think Daniel Jones is that in in their eye. So I think they pass on him, and I think they are going to go all out for Aaron Rodgers. All right. Uh, Yeah, I think the same. Next hype train. Let's be quick with this one really fast. Bump and I both recommended shows for you guys. We're both watching zombie shows. Uh, Bump is watching Black Summer. I'm watching Last of Us. This is the last hype train. Of the three of us, Bump would survive the longest in a zombie apocalypse. Y'all got weapons? No. I got weapons. (laughs) Come to my house. I got you. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. We're all going to the Bumpus house. (laughs) That's all we're going to do. I got weapons. I got cameras. I already know Bump is boarding this train. Yeah, man, I got you guys. You no don't even, doubt. You guys don't even have to. We can just board this together. All right? We're a family. We're a family. Ride together, die together. Bad think, boys for life. I think we can agree I'm definitely the first one to go. <laughs> no one's fighting that one. I appreciate you guys just not saying anything. <laughs>
This hour of Bump It Stacey is brought to you by Mazda of Everett. What I need to know coming your way next. Get your questions in now, 866-979-3776. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to Bump and Stacy, Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. What I need to know. Brought to you by All Red Heating, Cooling, and Electric. Get your questions in now to the Mac and Jack's text line. Any question you have, 866-979-3776. What I need to know. Was watching sports more or less entertaining before you became sports talk radio stars? I'm a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. Nah, um... I would say it became less. Um, our our guy in the back, Taylor, made a great point. When you're just a fan, you get to feel it. Yeah. The highs, the lows, the emotions. When you do what we do, you're constantly analyzing, looking for an angle. Why did this happen? What could have happened? Who got the rock? What time was on the clock? You're constantly thinking about the situation and how you're going to articulate it if it comes up. So I would say as a fan, it's probably way more exciting watching games. Yeah, it was more entertaining watching sports before I worked in sports. I have a greater appreciation for and understanding of sports having worked in sports. So it's like you, I mean, you think of little things like interviewing players and hearing, you know, like the work they put in or or whatever. Like you just feel like you get it more. Right. Yeah. Curtis, what about you? Yeah. Um, As a fan, if your team suffers a bad loss... You just gonna leave it on that day. Oh yeah. Whereas we gotta talk here, about it for five days. Man, we gotta talk about it for an entire week. We gotta talk about it for a few days. We gotta take calls Dude, on it. Dude, one of my yeah. biggest pet peeves, it's not a big pet peeve actually, a small pet peeve, is when someone goes slow news day and you're like, I'm talking actually, about a yeah. Seahawks loss yeah, or, uh, on a Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> and they played Saturday for whatever reason. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, All right. Well, also, you could keep talking about it, though. Like, it's genuinely interesting. What I need to know. um, Would you rather be hairy like Mike Salk or colorblind like Brock Heward? Colorblind all day. Not a question. All day. Yeah. I would rather. I'm already, like, kind of hairy. So I I can imagine being extremely hairy. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine if I was like, I'd rather be hairy. (laughs) You'd rather? No. I'd rather be colorblind. Brian, a thousand percent. Brian likes that, huh? Not, no hesitation in my mind. I would rather be colorblind. Um, what I need to know: Who at Seattle Sports would do best at the NFL Pro Bowl games? Me, followed Stacey. by Stacy for uh, sure. Any of the former athletes, honestly, like any of the analysts on the shows. So, uh, Bump, Brock, Wyman, I think. And the worst would Wyman be the Wyman would win all the strength ones. <laughs> yeah. Wyman yes, would win the sure. tug of war. For sure. All grit. Uh, oh, yeah. What I need to know, what are your thoughts on the Hawks going after, is it Duran or Darren Payne? Duran. Duran Payne in free agency. If the commanders do not franchise tag him, signing him could make your decision at pick number five that much more interesting. Talk to me. Talk to me. Duran's going to cost some money. About 15 to 17 million which means you would have to cut some weight, which the Hawks are going to do to make room so they can make a move like this. Yeah. I'd be all for it, though. I ain't mad at that. Yeah, I'm not mad at that at all. Um, what hap- What I need to know, what happens when a pitcher pitch clock runs out? I need to know. I don't know. Curtis, you know that? I think it's a automatic You get ball. cut. <laughs> yeah, you get released right on the spot. You're out of the league. out, you're done. Sorry. You got to go. Uh, I believe it's an automatic ball. So you don't want to do it with... Three balls or three balls in the count. Yeah. 
what I need to know is maybe too much credit being given to Kyle Shanahan having success with a third string quarterback when each successive quarterback seemed more like an upgrade than a backup. No. I just want you to go and watch what the linemen do and what the tight ends do in Shanahan's offense. And he sets everyone up for success. And I think being able to sit back and watch does something for you when you look at Shanahan's offense as a quarterback. But I, I kid you not, pick a game. Don't even look at the ball. Look at the linemen, the tight ends, and the running back. And all the stuff that they do, goodness gracious, is beautiful. All right, get your questions in, 866-979-3776. Any question you have, what I need to know. Uh, Stacy, if Bump or Curtis is on the mound, Cal Raleigh's behind the plate, and you're on first as a base runner, could you steal second? You're not stealing me because I'm left-handed. I can see when you're breaking. I think I could do it. No. I'm a fast runner. <laughs> no. I'm really fast. Just zooming right over there. Um, no. No, if you've never seen a video of me running, it's like, do you ever have secondhand embarrassment? All the time. Yeah. Like you watch, I used to watch when I was little, like Keenan and Kel and all those shows uh-huh. where they'd get in trouble. And I would have too much anxiety watching those shows that I couldn't watch them anymore. <laughs> Cause I would be like, they're going to get in so much trouble. But that kind of secondhand anxiety and embarrassment you get is how you would feel watching me run where you'd be like, I can't watch it. I bet you I could fix you in a week. Yeah. Your form would be on point. Jake thought the same. <laughs> uh, what I need... We call Stacy a coach killer. <laughs> That's what they do. Like the quarterback that you land with that ends your career no matter what. Um, someone said, yeah, but Curtis, can you throw that far? Yeah, I what? pitched in high school. Are you kidding me? Varsity! Oh, this is a great question. What I need to know, should the Pro Bowl add greased light pole climbing to oh, activities? Oh, yeah! <laughs> That would be amazing. That would be fun. It didn't make the big boys do it, too. Yeah! Only offensive linemen? Yeah. Uh, What would be a Pro Bowl activity that you should have only for the big boys? Um, Catching punts are always fun to watch big boys do. It's so hard (laughs) to track it. Yeah, tug of war would be dope. I think they should let... They'd rip the rope. Swimming. Swimming. I think they should let one of them in the greatest catch competition. Just one. Where they're bouncing off trampolines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, would you rather one hop the first pitch from the mound or throw a wild one from up close? I'd rather one hop it. One so if you throw a wild one from up close, then that one's going to be replayed on blooper reels yeah. Yeah. throughout you. history. I'm with you. Uh, what I need to know, just got back from un- some uncomfortable dental work. Ow. Uh, mm. Which do you dislike more, a doctor or dentist appointment? Dentist, it's not close. Dentist for sure. No one likes, why doesn't anyone like the dentist? No offense to dentists out there. You know what I mean? No, why? Thank you they, for your service. If they don't numb you right, just Ooh, something get you. Uh, just oh. horrible. Horrible. Mm. Oh, what I need to know, could Stacy steal a base if the base path was water? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I think oh, yes. that's like swimming. Yes. yes. <laughs> like a 30-meter dash. I, I can do it. All right. That'll do it for not just what I need to know. That'll do it for us today. We'll be back with you at 10 a.m. tomorrow for Michael Bumpus. For Curtis Rogers, I'm Stacey Rost. Wyman and Bob coming up next.